God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord today and good to share worship with you. Online, we're glad to have you present too. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's always with us, wherever we are throughout the week. But we thank you for Sunday mornings that become a special time that we gather. Uh, we gather in your presence, Lord, to uh, acknowledge your goodness, uh, to, Lord, be affirmed of who you've called us to be, and to realize, Lord, the need that we have for you each and every day. Thank you for the community that gathers. Thank you for all the communities of faith that gathered this morning uh, to worship you across the globe. Lord, I pray that it's your word that's heard and not mine. Set us aside, Lord, uh, for your service, and uh, Lord, help us to hear your word for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. So what would you say are some of the greatest examples of classic literature? Just holler those out. A little louder. I can hear some mumbles. Come on. Are y'all reading a little bit? It's getting cold in winter. Get your books out. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Ah. Hamlet. What about any examples written before Christ? The Odyssey and the Iliad by Homer. I want to talk about the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer. 700 B.C., 3,000 years ago, two books that Homer wrote. The Iliad was the first that detailed a very long heroic poem, actually, where he detailed the consequences and the battles of the Trojan War. And then the Odyssey, the Odyssey, which its main character was Odysseus. And on this book, it was the journey back from these wars that after 10 years of being gone from his wife and his son, they take a journey back. But what they discover is that this journey was as treacherous as the wars themselves because of the temptations and the challenges they faced along the way, such as the cyclops, the locust eaters, and the sirens, or sirenes, as I like to say. These sirenes, according to Greek mythology, were these beautiful, alluring characters, but they were also very dangerous because when you hear their voice, you can't resist it, and you go in the direction of the voice. Well, these sailors, or Odysseus, knew that that would, is what would happen to these sailors. And so before they got to the place where the sirens were, he had them all plug their ears and tie him to the mast of the ship so that... He would not be allured by their voice. Supposedly, he's the only one, Odysseus is the only one who has heard their voice and not succumb to their seduction. Well, there's a movie that uses a lot of the imagery from the Odyssey. Maybe you saw it. It's about 20 plus years old in 2000. George Clooney. Oh, brother, where art thou? Great movie about three prisoners who've escaped in Mississippi and are traveling during uh, the Depression. They're traveling around trying to seek the treasure, as they like to say in the movie. But what we find is that during one of these scenes, they hear the voices. 
the voices of three women who are singing in the creek and they are allured or seduced by these women and they fall asleep and they wake up and one of them's gone. He's turned to a toad or at least they think he has because the toad's where he was. Not really what happened. But the point of this story comes that the sirens are a sign that these escape prisoners are growing weary. They're beginning to lose their willpower to continue, and they've fallen prey to the sirens' allure. That's exactly what happens to us. As we seek to navigate this life journey we are on together across the sea of life, we become weary. We begin to lose our willpower and the allures and temptations of the world begin to grab a hold of us. Talking about temptation, talking about seduction, especially sexual, is uncomfortable. But in ministry, for over 25 years, if there's one thing that I've seen that breaks more hearts and more relationships and causes more heartache, is this. And if we can't even in church talk about sexual temptation and name it, then many more will fall victim to its allure. Today's scripture, Jesus, excuse me, in today's scripture, James speaks harshly about the seductions of the world and the secret cravings that exist in each of us. And it's this temptation. He talks about it every week, this temptation to live a double life in which we hear about often. So it's time to stop and time for us to choose which life that we'll live, a life of faith or a life that follows the world. Join me in our scripture today as we continue our series of James Picking up today in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Take the pew Bibles, the Bibles you brought, or your devices online. Hope you'll follow along with your Bibles too. James chapter 4, verse 1. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and you cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says? God yearns jealously for the spirit he has made to dwell in us. But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord 
and he will exalt you. This is the word of God for us, the children of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. So we've talked about some hard subjects in our journey of James. Do you remember last week what we talked about? The tongue and the many things the tongue says and we can't take back often what we share. We've talked about our faith and works and that faith without works is dead. But I have to admit, the subject today of seduction is probably one of the hardest. Steering clear of seduction, temptation, and the ways of the world. What is it for you that ultimately decides how you're going to make a choice? What, what is it that you use? What is your standard when it comes to make a decision that you use and whether you're going to do something or not? Is the Word of God anywhere in that? Is the will of God anywhere to be found? Or is it what brings the most gratification through often the pleasures of the world? If worldly pleasure is the ruling consciousness, the result will often bring about hatred, strife, and division. This desperate search and competition for pleasure leads to war, James says. Look at verse 1 if you got your scriptures or turn back to the scriptures. It leads to war, James says. War within oneself and war with others. James, once again, as he has been doing throughout his book, is talking about double-mindedness or our desire to have it both ways, right? To have one foot in the world but one foot in following God. The benefits of being that follower without letting go of the gratifications that the world provides. The danger, the danger of the war within verse 1 is these raging battles will often and eventually find their way out. And when they do, they cause harm. Harm to us and often harms around, harm to others around us that are so precious. The root cause, James says, is desire. Anybody know what the last commandment is? The tenth commandment? Thou shalt not covet. Verse 2, he talks about you want something and do not have it. You covet something and do not have it. When we covet that which we do not have and is not ours, relationships are broken. Households are destroyed. Finances can crumble. Our anxiety becomes uncontrollable. And we find ourselves over our head. An overwhelming desire for the pleasures of this world is a danger sign to one's spiritual life. But these things start out so small and so innocent often as we talk about them. We've talked about lust being one of those desires. But there are a lot more seductions of the world. Money. Prestige, power, position, possessions. When we seek God, when we truly with all our heart seek God to do His will, we come together in community. But when we give in to these desires and into these 
pleasures of the world, our chief concern is ourself. And consequently, communities driven are broken apart. We have to be careful. We have to be careful when we sense that the desire or craving of any kind is stewing inside of us, is dominating our thoughts, is beginning to control our actions. We have to be wise enough to break it. To break that attraction which often breaks the unhealthy cycle. To tell somebody, to confess to somebody, to get out the secrecy. What happens to prayer when we let these dominating desires dominate our thoughts? It seems that prayer begins to slip back or slip out the back door or even take a seat or disappear. Dominating desires are not compatible with prayer unless our dominating desires are us earnestly seeking to understand who God is and what that means for us and practice the truth he reveals to us. When we pray... Do we really desire thy will or my will? When our prayers are selfish, we then wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. James puts it this way in verse 3. What does he say? Look at verse 3. You ask wrongly. When we choose our own desires, we separate ourselves from each other and from God. When, and then in verse 4, James says, adulterers. Now realize here, we know what that word is and what it means, but he's talking about spiritual adultery. The New Testament church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. In the Old Testament, oftentimes Israel was the bride and God was the groom. When we give in to these seductions, when we choose these pleasures over God... We're breaking the marriage vow, but not only that, we're breaking the covenant in which we have established with God, or God has established with us. Our relationship with God is meant to be just as intimate as a relationship between a husband and wife. And when we seek our own pleasures over God, it's His heart that's broken. We cannot be in love with the world and in love with God. That's the double-mindedness that James continues to talk about through these verses and chapters. We cannot serve two masters, Matthew 6 tells us. How often do we try to live by God's measure, but we act by the world's measure? The world's either our master or a place of service. We see the world as a place to serve or we're used by it. If we seek to serve the world, then we're a friend of God. If the world and what is in it masters us, then we become enemies, James says. But even in midst of all this allure and this seduction and this temptation, James verse 5 here in chapter 4 reminds us that God yearns to be in relationship with us. God yearns to be in relationship with you. Look at verse 5. God desires our whole self, our whole attention, our whole love. 
It's hard for us to really be in love with more than one person at a time. That begins to destroy the understanding of love or demean or belittle that relationship or recipient or the one who receives that love. The beauty is when we seek to love God with all our heart and seek to love God first, our love for others begins to grow. And our cravings for the world are held in check. God's desire for us is greater than our desire for Him. God's desire for us is greater than our desire for Him. Thank goodness. When life's about oneself, then it's focused on what does the world give me? Sometimes maybe even what can God give me? But when it's focused on God, we recognize the gifts he's given us and we seek to use them accordingly. The temptation, as verse 6 reminds us, is we think we can do it on our own. We think we can control these desires on our own. We think we've got enough power and capability and capacity to know the difference between the two. But we can't. Our power is not strong enough. Sometimes we just can't resist the allure of the music. But through the power of God, we can. But that means we must first recognize we can't control our desires on our own. What does that take? Humility. Look at verses 7 and 8. What do we do? What do we do, James offers, is to submit that when we humble ourselves before God, he draws near to us. And with him, we can resist the devil and the desires will flee from us. And the seduction and the secrecy will lose its allure. It takes work. James says we have to cleanse our hands. In our Thursday morning Bible study through the book of Hebrews, we've been looking at the Levitical priesthood and the new priesthood and all the regulations that the high priest would have to go through before they made a sacrifice. And it was a washing of hands and the washing of the body. It was a ritual. But James is referring to more than a ritual, but to a change of one's outward conduct. But to be honest, that's not enough. We must also purify the heart change the inner desires, and surrender these desires to God. And we focus in on one. We choose one, God or the world, but not God and the world. It's the last two verses that James is not saying there's no joy in the Christian life. There's no joy on the journey. For there can be lots of it. Neither is James saying in these last verses that we should live a life of gloom. He's stating that as part of our submission of these selfish and worldly desires to God, we need to mourn. We need to weep over our sin. And that the laughter... And the joy of these past selfish ways can be turned into tears of sympathy for the grief, for the pain, perhaps even the division that we've caused. 
If we seek to humble ourselves, we acknowledge that we don't have the answers. And if we don't have the answers, we seek to point others and ourselves to the one who does. But God himself. And he gives us the grace. And he gives us the grace. And he gives you the grace. That in our weakness, we receive God's strength. And in our sin, we receive forgiveness through Jesus. Whatever desires, selfishness, our sin have been part of our life. We seek God and weep over our past cravings. But know this, church. I hope in the midst of this message you absolutely hear this too. That God's grace abounds. And his forgiveness and strength for tomorrow is greater than whatever has hold of us. God's grace abounds and his strength and his grace for tomorrow is greater than whatever has hold of us. But we have a decision to make. A decision of what we'll use, what's that standard, what we'll seek when we seek to make choices in our life. Is God part of that choice making? Or do we let the gratifications and desires and pleasures and seduction of the world take over? As we navigate this journey called life, as we seek to sail through life, we realize there will be temptations and seductions. We realize there will be obstacles and diversions. But may we seek to take this journey faithfully. A journey that can be as treacherous as war. If we don't, stay on course. If we don't focus our lives, if, if we don't sometimes close our ears to the music of the world, we'll find ourselves, and perhaps those around us, shipwrecked on an island way away. So let us steer clear of the seductions of the world that can control our thoughts and actions. And to do that, Draw nearer to God, because he seeks to draw near to you, to us. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, sometimes your word is not something we always want to hear. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it slaps us in the face. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But Lord, as we live this journey of faith in our life and we seek to live it faithfully, we're grateful that your grace and your mercy abounds. We're grateful, Lord, that you provide us a way. We're grateful, Lord, that it's not just up to us. So may your forgiveness abound. And may your strength give new direction as we seek to live out our faith with you. In your name we pray. Amen.